they have. And you know, in a special way, Tom has always been a spiritual hero to me because from the first time I met Tom, I don't remember exactly how many years ago, he was in LA. He said, what can I pray for you? What can I pray for you? If you know Tom, and if you've ever talked to Tom, he's always wanting to pray about something. And when I saw Tom, when, I just, when we just arrived, Tom said, I've been praying for Pavel, Dima, Losha, and Ivan. That's the four elders we wanted to appoint this. He's been praying for them every day, for people he's never met, and it's even hard to pronounce their names. Uh, but he's such a prayer warrior, and uh, we feel very blessed by our relationship with him. And of course, Jack Frederick, he's always so encouraging to our family, and thanks to his photography, I know where I've actually been lately. So that's always very helpful. Um, I want to show you a few photos. Um, if this... Does this work? You tell me. I can just say next slide, that works too. Ooh, did I do that or did, did he do that? Did, you did that. Okay, so we'll just, we'll use oral signals. Um, this is my awesome family. I'm so thankful that it's not just a family, but it's my best friends. Uh, and it's so much fun. This is my son, Andrew. He's to the, my wife, Lena, and my daughter, Diana, as you've just met. Uh, my son is in Moscow, so he's not with us right now, but he's in college, and we always miss him. Uh, next slide. Uh, this is also one of our daughters um, who wasn't directly born into our family, but became our daughter. You know, me and my wife started the Hope Worldwide work in Russia, in the former Soviet Union, and uh, when we would visit the orphanages, I would usually look for the shyest kids to reach out to and try and love up on. And uh, this girl was in third grade. Her name's Katya. And uh, uh, I went to the orphanage first time, met her. She was very shy, came back the next week to see her again, but she wasn't there. So I asked the director of the orphanage, where's Katya? And they said, well, Katya's in the hospital. She's got pneumonia. And I said, so can you give me the address of the hospital and I'll go to the hospital to visit her. And when I showed up at the hospital, she was in a room with four other kids and all the kids had a little nightstand and a bed, and they're all in one room together, and all the nightstands had fruits and stuffed animals and books. There was only one nightstand that had nothing on it, and that was Katya's. Because the whole time she was laying in the hospital, nobody came to see her because the other kids had families. So when I saw the empty nightstand, I immediately jumped in the car, went and bought a bunch of stuffed animals, books and fruits and juice, and came back and filled up her nightstand with lots of things too. And we became very good friends after that. And then she started to come home to us over the weekends. And when she graduated the orphanage, the government was supposed to give her a place to live. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, things didn't work out and she didn't have a place to live. Um, and this is how sometimes the, the girls from the orphanages end up in public homes or in places that aren't good. Um, but when we found this out, we invited her to come live with us. So she moved in with us. And three or four months later, she actually had her apartment, but she still stayed with us. Amen. <laughs> um, and for the next couple of years, until we moved to Kiev, she lived with us. Um, and just this last year, um, she uh, got married and she asked uh, me to give her away as the dad. So she's also part of her family. There she is as a beautiful bride. We're very excited about that. Next slide. Did you do that? Okay. It's been confirmed. <laughs> uh, Pray for the Kiev Church. We're celebrating our 25th anniversary this summer. 
We're very excited about that. We're calling it the year God of wonders because God has done amazing things. Next slide. Uh, this is Eastern Europe. This is the Eastern European family of churches. Now, if you're curious what countries these are, if you've ever watched any Hollywood movies, if someone's about to blow up the world or kidnap somebody, it's usually one of our countries. So, but it is awesome to be a part of this family of churches. We have uh, 20 different churches. It's 20 different countries, 20 different languages, 20 different passports, 20 different visas. It's a very challenging part of the world, the most economically challenged part of this part of the world. Um, but we know God can do incredible things. Amen? Amen. Next slide. This is the Kiev Church. So, hello from the Kiev Church. Next slide. And this is the campus ministry in Kiev and the Ukraine as well. A very fired up group of kids. Next slide. This is the four elders that Tom's been praying for. Uh, but it was awesome. God, in December, the end of last year, uh, we were able to appoint uh, four Ukrainian elders that are overseeing the church in Kiev, which is an incredible blessing to us as well. Amen. Next slide. Now, this is the School of Missions. Uh, we have a group of kids that have gone into the full-time ministry to train, to plant, and lead churches all over Eastern Europe. We have 30 kids training right now, full-time, to be sent out in the next two or three years. Um, any youth who wants to join the School of Missions, it's in Kiev. Welcome. Amen. <laughs> Next slide. If you want to follow some of the stories or what's going on, um, you can uh, follow this Borscht for the Soul. You guys have chicken soup. We have Borscht. Amen. Uh, next slide. Okay, next slide. We're not going to talk about the geese today. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about our city. Amen? A vision for our city. The name of the lesson is called World Changers. Amen? Yes. Let's open our Bibles or turn them on. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. You know, if you've came here and if this is your first time visiting the church here, you've come to much more than just a local church, if you haven't figured that out yet. This church is having an impact all over the world and is, is impacting countries and Christians and, and nations, which is really exciting. But today I want to give you a vision for what God can do, to you, go, do through each one of us and collectively as a church. Amen? Amen. Next slide. Or, no, stay here. Let's read this together. <laughs> he told them another parable. This is verse 31. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Okay, you guys know what a mustard seed's very small. Planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that birds of the air come and perch in its branches. Amen? See, the kingdom, it starts small, but it can grow to incredible size. With just a little faith, God can do amazing things. If you just touch the edge of the cloak, or if you just get some crumbs from the table, God is capable of doing so much more than we can even ask for or imagine. You know, sometimes we can feel a little bit small. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel small. I feel, what difference can I make? The most amazing thing about following Jesus is there's no limit to what God can use you to do. You know, God chose you to help impact the world. You live in an amazing city, four, five, six million people, and God's put together a mustard seed that could literally reach out and help each one of them know who he is. There's seven, people, seven billion people on this planet today, 
If you took a dime and put the name of every single living soul on a dime, and you could fill up basically an Olympic swimming pool, right? So you have an Olympic swimming pool filled with dimes, and on one of those dimes is your name. What are the odds that someone's going to dive into that pool and pull out your name, and you would be sitting in a room with an opportunity to be saved? What if I said, don't worry, here's the swimming pool of seven billion dimes, don't worry, I'm sure I could find your name. And who we pull out, that's the one who will get stopped and reached out to and read the Bible to and have a chance for some. It is amazing you're sitting here today. It is not a mistake. But God has a dream for each one of us. He wants to use us to change this world. God dearly loves not only the people sitting in this room, but everybody in Atlanta, right? So God puts together a team, kind of like the Motley 12 when he just chose the 12. I'm sure there was lots of questions, why did they choose, why did he choose these people? But God wouldn't risk the most important venture in the history of the world to people that he knew couldn't get the job done. He's going to choose exactly who he needs to be on the team to make sure everyone has a chance to hear the good news. Amen, church? Amen. We just have to have faith. Imagine Jesus sitting with the 12 2,000 years ago today. And Jesus just preached this sermon, and he's sitting there with the guys late at night around a campfire, and he's wondering if he should tell them or not. And he says, okay, I'm going to tell them. Hey, guys, and like, yeah, what? And Jesus is about to speak to him. He says, guys, 2017 years from now, there's going to be a guy from Kansas who lives in the Ukraine in Atlanta. <laughs> and he's going to be talking about how you guys preach the word. Ukraine, Atlanta, What? Are you serious? Who, who would ever know about us 2,000 years from now? They must have felt insignificant sitting around a campfire. They had no idea what God was going to use them to do. You may feel insignificant sitting in the pew with your open Bible and your, and your little, what do you call those? Paper and pen. <laughs> that's what that's called. And you have no idea what God's going to use you to do. Amen? 25 years ago, there was just one Bible talk in the Ukraine. Now there's about 400 Bible talks in the Ukraine. I wonder if in the next 25 years, we could do the 1 to 400 thing. I wonder if we could have 160,000 Bible talks in the Ukraine in the next 25 years. What if each Bible talk said, you know what, we're just going to do what that first Bible talk did? What can God do if each one of us make a decision? We're just a mustard seed. This church doesn't feel like a mustard seed. This actually feels like a very large church. But if we can convince ourselves that this is a mustard seed, then we can become a tree. Amen, church? One second. Let me see what is the next slide. Let's take a look at the next slide. I want to introduce you to this, this guy here. His name's Johan. Um, Johan uh, was studying acting in London, 
and uh, he was a uh, different, you know, acting school, and he actually got to uh, try out for a role with James Bond. Uh, he was going to try and he was going to be the villain. He was like the runner-up for the villain for a James Bond movie. So, but he came home for Christmas to visit his family while he was in college, and uh, when he was home, he went to bed on Christmas Eve, the 24th, and as he was laying in bed, he looked over at the bookshelf, and there was like some books that his mother had put there, and one of the books was on Christianity, and you know, it's Christmas Eve, so he grabbed it from the shelf and looked at it, opened it up, and in the raised print, it said, if you don't seek God with all your heart, you'll never find him. And he closed it. He got out of bed, got down on his knees and prayed, God, if you're out there, help me find you. Got up off the floor, climbed back into bed, and went to bed. And basically didn't really think anything else after that. Several weeks later, he's back in college, and he's walking home one evening, uh, late at night, like nine or nine o'clock at night, and he's walking down a street, it's kind of dreary and cold, and all of a sudden, this, this young lady who's about half his size, from Africa, at nine o'clock at night on a dark and dreary street, stops him, him. And says, I want to invite you to church. And he was like, wow. And he was taken back by that. First of all, that someone would stop him in the middle of the night, you know, in London. And they start talking about it. And he says, I'd like to come. So he comes to church, studies the Bible, gets excited about Christ, and gets baptized into Christ. Amen? So Johan becomes a Christian, and he's totally fired up. Now, he's from Reykjavik, Iceland. He's not from London, so he was at home in Reykjavik. But he asked the, 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 the brothers in London, he said, is there a church in Reykjavik? Because I'd love for my parents, you know, to come check out church. And they're like, well, no, there's no church yet in Reykjavik. It's like, well, when is it going to happen? Well, I don't know when it's going to happen. Maybe you'll. <laughs> Maybe you'll help make that happen one day. And he was also asking around a few months later, and he was saying, you know, are there any sisters from Reykjavik? I wonder if there's any sisters from Iceland. Maybe I could go on a date with a sister from Iceland. And they searched the London church. There were no sisters from Iceland, but there was one from like Man in Manchester, like up north from London. There was a sister from Iceland. So he gets her number and calls and says, so when are you coming? You know, maybe we could go on a date. I'm also from Iceland. I said, okay, well, I'll be down in London in a couple of months. She came down to London and they went on a date together. Now, as they were sharing with each other their stories, she, you know, she had been a Christian for like six or seven years, but he was a young Christian. And so he told his story and she stopped him and said, no way. And he's like, what? No way. Yeah, way what? what? Like, what, what did I do wrong? And he's like, she was like, I, I can't believe what you're telling me. Well, why, why is it so amazing? She said, well, because on the 24th, Christmas Eve, I went home to Reykjavik also with my, with my girlfriend, and we climbed up on a hill on Christmas Eve. At about 10 o'clock at night, we started praying for God to find somebody who will one day lead the church in Reykjavik. And 10 o'clock at night was about the same, about in generally the same time he climbs out of bed and prays. Now what she did not tell him is that she was praying that that would become her husband. <laughs> you got to go slow with the brothers, okay, sisters? Don't, don't overwhelm us. There's only so much we can take. Now, needless to say, God blessed that relationship. They started dating, they got married, and they planted the church in Reykjavik, Iceland. Amen? Just from a prayer, up on the hillside, you can change a nation. You can change a city. 
God can use each one of us if we have at least a mustard-sized faith. Amen? Next slide. A vision of his power. Next slide. Let's read on. We're going to stay in this text. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. You know, yeast wasn't a positive idea back then. So this is kind of like a shock and awe thing. He's trying to shake them up a little bit. He's like, as soon as you get a little yeast in there, you can't stop it. It's unstoppable. The kingdom of God is unstoppable. As soon as it gets into a city, it's not going to stop. It's like yeast. All you need is, you got to keep the yeast far away because if there's just even a little yeast that gets in there, it's unstoppable. The church of Christ is unstoppable. It is led by Christ himself. Amen, church? This group will not stop until there's a north river, a south river, a central river, east river, west river. There's going to be rivers all over the place. This church is unstoppable. This church is going to make a dent in Europe and in Bolivia and everywhere it goes, it's going to make a difference because it's like yeast. You can't be stopped. Christ can't be stopped. There's nothing as disturbing to this world as Christianity. And we refuse to submit to the, to the rules of this world. I am an American living in the Ukraine, married to a Russian. Now, if you've been following current events, that's not normal. There's nothing normal about us. The American died and was clothed in Christ. It doesn't matter what passport I hold or what nationality I have. I'm dressed in Christ. Hopefully you don't see me at all. You just see Christ. Because when you start to see me and what I stand for in the flesh, then you're seeing less of Jesus. We don't let passports, nationalities, languages, skin color, we don't let these things affect us. Because we're dressed as Christ is dressed. You, we just see Jesus in each other. Amen, church? Amen. You know, it's, it's one of the hottest moments right now as far as division between Ukraine and Russia. Literally, day and night, on every social network and every news channel you would flip on, both sides are telling you to not trust and to hate the other side. 24-7, nonstop. We are doing more events right now between mosques. We are doing more events with Russia, with our churches, than ever before. Our unity is tighter now than it's ever been in 25 years. Because it's not just enough to teach not to do the wrong thing. We attack. We go the opposite direction. Our youth are coming together for conferences. Our leaderships are coming together for conferences. We do more things now, Ukraine and Russia together, than we ever have before because we aren't like this world. Amen, church? Amen. You know, I remember when I was in Tallinn one time and I was having dinner with John McGurk and uh, uh, Wyndham Shaw, and we were walking home from dinner. It was like 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday night. Next day was church, so we wanted to get home at a decent hour. And as we were walking home, this guy yells out across the street and says, hey, guys, come on over here to the strip bar. And you know, we just kind of, you know, you ignore people when they yell at you and tell you to come to a strip bar. That's, that's. So we just kind of kept walking, and he runs over to us. 
That's some radical evangelism. <laughs> he runs over and says, guys, I'll give you a discount. Come tonight, strip bar, awesome. And I turned to him, I said, actually, how about you come to church with me tomorrow morning? And he's like, I'll make you a deal. <laughs> you come to the strip bar tonight, I'll go to church tomorrow morning. I was like, dude, why would you go to church with a guy who just went to a strip bar? <laughs> what could I possibly have to offer you in Christianity if I'm willing to go to a strip bar with you? Well, and that was the end of our relationship, amen? <laughs> he didn't come, I didn't go. But I was convicted. He really pushed for me to ruin my life, ruin my marriage, and do something stupid. He's willing to yell across the street. He's willing to run up to me to sell me destruction and death. But yet sometimes when I'm extending eternal life and good news, it's like, um, hi, my name is, you know, Sean, and I don't know if you're interested. Maybe you're not. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you are. Maybe you aren't. I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, in God, you know, not God, just God, but the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm not quite sure what all that means, but it's okay. I don't know. What do you... I mean, would you want to come maybe to listen to maybe something from the, I don't know, Bible? Maybe the Bible? I don't know. What do you think about the Bible? <laughs> so this guy's running across the street selling strip bars, and I can barely... What's wrong with me? Amen? We're yeast. We're unstoppable. Next slide. I want to introduce you. This is Mateus and Nastya. Those are really cool glasses, right? <laughs> I like his glasses. So Mateus, he's from Albania. That's, you know, that's where all the kidnap from Taken happens, right? <laughs> so he's from Albania. And uh, he's an incredible brother because his, his dad actually got shot at a, just randomly at a, at a public event and died. And he was trying to take care of his mom and sister. And... Uh, he uh, graduated college and was offered a job working with the Un European Union in Germany. And they offered him like $8,000 a month starting salary to move to Germany. Now, he chose to turn that down so that he could move to the Ukraine to be in the School of Missions. So whatever salary you're making today, multiply by 20. And that could be your salary if you just move over there somewhere, or you could turn all that down and just go into the full-time ministry. Mateus, he wanted to become a minister. God blessed him, and he met Nastya, and they got married, and they're an incredible couple. And I'm so proud of his heart, because he went back to Albania uh, just this last year, and within like four months, they baptized four campus kids um, there on campus. But the incredible story, next slide is I want to share about Nastya. This is Nastya on her wedding day. That's Nastya's mom, who's a Christian. And that's Nastya's grandma, who's a Christian. And that's Nastya's great-grandma, who's not a Christian. And she's not interested in being a Christian. She was totally against her daughter, granddaughter, and great-granddaughter were all Christians. So... Lena, one of the sisters there in, in the church, said to, to Nastya's mom, said, so what's your plan to help gram, you know, grandma become a Christian? Nastya's great-grandma. 
I said, we don't know. We've tried everything. We don't even, I don't even know where to start. He's like, well, okay. Why don't you just go to their home and for a few days just read her the Bible and see if something can change. Now, great-grandma is deaf and mute. So everything had to be signed. So mom goes, starts studying the Bible with great-grandmother, and great-grandmother's heart becomes soft. After like 10, 15 years, but now became soft. They studied the Bible, and they baptized great-grandma. So now all four women, all four generations are Christians. About just a few months after she became a Christian, she passed away, and now she's in heaven. You know, the Word of God has so much power, amen? It can totally change lives. Next slide. A vision for our hearts. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Amen? You know, treasure hidden in a field, that's actually not an unusual thing because you don't keep stuff in your home back then because you could get your home robbed. There were no banks, so you don't put stuff in the bank. What you do is you dig it deep and put it in your field. Now, when wars and different things happen, you get moved away or someone dies, so their treasure is left in the field and nobody knows it was there except the person who now no, no longer is alive or in that area. So sometimes random people would find a very scrubby field that was unkept, and they could dig holes, and they could actually find treasures, complete life savings of wealthy people. And that's the situation we have here. They found this incredible treasure. You put it back in there. You run off, sell everything you got so you can buy that field. Hey, I'd like to buy your field, you know, that one that has nothing on it. How much for that? Okay, deal. That sounds like a lot, but deal. You buy the field, and then the treasure is yours. Amen? <laughs> sounds like exciting times. <laughs> you know, the treasure is Christ. The treasure is salvation. Now, Christ and salvation, it's in the field. It's in the church. Now, the field isn't the treasure. Amen? And I don't know if you've ever worked a field. It's like you never finish, right? There's, you dig all the weeds and next week they're all back. And rocks and this and that. It's, the, the field is always very, very kind of messy. But you don't buy the field for the field. You buy it for the treasure. You want the treasure. But then you work the field because you want to take care of it so that you don't forget and you keep your focus on the treasure. But your field is not the treasure. Christ is our treasure. Amen, church? The church is never going to be perfect, but Christ is perfect. We're never going to be perfect, but Jesus is perfect. And you'll never find enough good in the church to stay completely faithful. You stay faithful because of Christ. Jesus is our cornerstone. He's the reason we do what we do. Amen? Amen? We've all found an amazing treasure, but it costs you everything. He went and sold everything he had. What could you sell everything today? What could you receive that would get you fired up? And this guy gave up everything to get this. Me and you, we gave up everything to get this. 
inspiring to see the baptisms. People made decisions. I'd give up anything just to have Christ. Next slide. This is a good example. Uh, this guy on the right, his name's Romeo. And uh, Romeo became a, a Christian in Tbilisi. He was a, a great guy. He was there with his brother Rizzo, and they were working to raise money to send back to their family in Kaki. Um, it's a village, um, I, you know, several hours away. So he was working, making money, but he got reached out to and became a Christian. So then he goes back to his village, to Kaki, to share his faith with his wife. And Romeo became a Christian, Rizzo became a Christian, and his wife, Romeo's wife, became a Christian. And his wife's name is Juliet. I'm not making this up, okay? I am a Christian, okay? This is actually a photo of Romeo and Juliet. Um, and they're an amazing couple, incredible hearts. So other people, uh, Rizzo stayed in Kaki, and Rizzo's wife became a Christian, and altogether 13 people in the village of Kaki became Christians. 13 Christians in a, in a little town of 500 people. And uh, that, that was growing and growing, but uh, Romeo stayed in Tbilisi to help raise money and make money to help support people there as well. So Romeo um, and Juliet, they had three daughters, and one day after midweek, a brother came up and said, you know, I've been sick, I don't have money to buy medicine, uh, you know, could you help me out? And Romeo, Romeo was making a day's wage. They don't make salaries because it was such a difficult time financially, they have a day's wage. So Romeo says, okay, you know, here you go. And he gave him the day's wage. So there was no money to buy food on the way home that day. On the way home, he gets home and he tells Juliet. Juliet's like, okay, so where's the food? You know, I'll cook something. He says, well, you know, the brother was sick. I gave him money for the medicine. So we don't have any money for dinner tonight. And she's like, okay, well, let's tell the two older daughters first because they're Christians. And then we'll tell the younger one that there's no dinner. Um, so they told the older two and the older two were happy. And okay, it's okay, dad. You did the right thing. He's a great brother. So then they sat down with the youngest one. Her name's Maka. It says, you know, Maka, uh, there's, there's no dinner tonight because, you know, Daddy helped a brother in the church. And Maka said, that's okay, Dad. For a while now, now, I've been wanting to fast, but every time I make that decision, when I see food, I change my mind. <laughs> so tonight I'll fast so that I can become a Christian. And uh, the Kaki church continued to grow, which attracted a lot of persecution from the elders. There's no police in that part of the world. There's just elders. And the elders were even at one point, they drug Rizzo out of town to stone him for the way he was sharing his faith. Now, the Kaki church would have a Sunday church service, and they would give chickens and potatoes as their contribution. Half of it they would cook for a meal for everybody. The other half they would sell so that someone could go in for discipleship time. That's how the church functioned. So as they were praying, Romeo started to pray, God, please stop the, the, the um, persecution. Please stop the persecution. God, make it stop. Protect the disciples in Kaki. And literally not too long after that, Romeo got hit by a car and was killed. And Romeo passed away. They took Romeo back to the village of Kaki for the funeral. And at the funeral, brothers came from Moscow and all different places. And basically the funeral was like four or five hours long. And like four or five different brothers got up and shared about Romeo. They shared about how he sought God, about how the word of God was the foundation of his life, about how he passed from darkness to light, what the cross meant to him, what the church means to him. <laughs> Sound familiar? They basically studied the Bible with the village, all of our studies. 
And at the end, the elders walked up and apologized for persecuting the church. And the persecution stopped. Next slide. Maka now is all grown up. This is Maka. She's now in the school of missions. Her dream is to serve full time and be completely devoted to God. Amen, church? I think Romeo and Juliet are an incredible example, and now the next generation, his children, are now wanting to serve God with all their hearts. Amen? Amen. And finally, next slide. A vision of God's heart. Next slide. Let's read together our last verse. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. You know, here the kingdom of heaven isn't being um, described as something like a seed or a treasure. It's being described as a person. Now, the only person that's worthy of describing the kingdom of God and comparing it to would be Jesus. So I think this is talking about Jesus and God. The Jesus and God, they're looking for fine pearls. Now, something about fine pearls. Back then, fine pearls came from like far away, India or the Red Sea or something. And, and they're hard to get. I mean, back then, to get pearls, they're about 50 feet deep. What you would do is you'd go out on a boat and you would grab a rock with a rope tied to it and you'd jump in so that the rock could get you down 50 feet quickly. Now, you can't see anything because it's all dark down there. So you're feeling around the bottom of the floor looking for oysters. And then you would bring them up, by, you'd grab a couple and climb up the rope and try and do that before you die. <laughs> or a shark eats you, or the eel snaps you, or you just run out of breath. So you bring up four or five of them, and you know, out of every thousand oysters you'd bring up, you'd find only one with a pearl. You have to bring up about a thousand to get one pearl. Sounds like sharing faith in some places, right? <laughs> so pearls were, were incredibly valuable, incredibly hard to find. And the incredible thing about pearls is, you know, you know, the pearl is made because a piece of sand gets caught in the oyster's throat, right? And so it kind of like <laughs> And it puts saliva around the piece of sand and saliva and saliva, and it keeps irritating him his entire life. His entire life, this oyster's and the saliva is getting around it because he's trying to get rid of it. But, you know, obviously the oyster, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> and it builds up this pearl for years and years and years and years and years and years. It's just saliva on top of saliva on top of saliva, saliva. Pure suffering nonstop, and you have a pearl at the end. Now, pearls are the only jewels, interesting enough, that humans can't make it better. Diamonds, you can cut it a certain way, and it becomes even more valuable. Pearls, hands off. Because humans would only ruin it. You don't cut pearls. You just shine them. God is looking for fine pearls. And when he found one, he went and literally gave up everything he had so that he could purchase you. He gave up his son so that he could purchase you. And many of us, we turn to God at that moment when we realize we got a piece of sand in there. And we start to seek God. 
But can you imagine how much God loves you? How precious you are to God. It is impossible to illustrate how much God loves you. It is impossible. The cross is the closest thing he could come up with that could show it in some human way. But that's not even close to how much he loves you. And he has searched the entire globe over all time, and he brought you here today because he loves you so much. Amen, church? Now, before we slip, flip to the next side, before, I just want to close with a story. You know, when I went on the mission team to Kiev, um, I wasn't doing well spiritually. I was incredibly arrogant and prideful, and it's all about me, and what am I going to do, and what am I going to do, and will God use me? And I was just, I just wasn't in a good place spiritually. But God was humbling me because he loves me. Amen? That's what he does. Amen? So humbled, and uh, you know, the first week of church, there were, at the first church service, there were 512 people at church. First church service at Kiev Church, 512 people came to church. I looked around the hall after church to see who I could study the Bible with, people that I invited, and there was nobody there. I couldn't find anybody that I invited to church. So I didn't lose hope. Next day, I decided, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to share with as many people as possible, and maybe someone will come to church tonight for first principles night. So I share faith all day long, and I come that night to church, and nobody came. All my other teammates on the mission team, 10, 20, 30 visitors with them. I'm literally the only person there with nobody. I was so discouraged. I walk out of the hall when church is over. I sit down in the metro, and I'm just sulking. I'm just sulking. Feeling sorry for me. Ever been there? You should always feel sorry for me. That's good. <laughs> um, and as I'm sitting there in the metro, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit nudges you, right? It just nudges you. And I look, I look up at, towards the door, and there's these group of four people standing there. I thought, I should go invite them to church. And I thought, no, no, forget it. No, I don't want to invite I'm tired. Nothing works out. Nobody's come. I, I'm not moving from this chair. So then the, the metro stops. Doors open. They don't walk out. The door is closed. And I'm still sitting there, and I look at them, and I thought, you should go invite them. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to invite them. I'm not. I'm not going to invite them. No, forget it. They've, I'm not going to do it. Tomorrow, maybe, today, I'm taking the day off. <laughs> so then we go to the next stop. Doors open. I kind of look over, hoping they'll just leave. That way I can stop struggling with myself. But they didn't leave and the door shut. I said, okay, here's the deal. If they don't leave at the next stop, I'll get up and invite them. <laughs> so we come to the next stop. The door's open. I'm almost praying, God, get them out of this... <laughs> Ask them to leave, please. And the door shuts, and they're still there. And I'm like, ah, dogs. So I walk over to them, and I invite them. Hey, you want to come to church tomorrow night? There, you know, there'll be a Bible study. They're like, yeah, that sounds very interesting. I'm like, yeah, right, and whatever. You know, here's the invitations, come. And I went back and sat down. <laughs> I mean, no, not in, no, I'm done. Sat down. The next night, two of those four came. And they're like, whoa, Sean, it's good to see you. And I was like, wow, it's good to see you. And all of a sudden I thought, man, I'm so awesome. No, you're not. No, I'm not awesome. I'm... <laughs> this, is, this is just God's grace. This is God's plan. It has nothing to do with me. So they both uh, came. One of them was a professional rugby player. The other one was a cartoon artist. And they became Christians and got baptized. His name's Eager and Yana. 
So uh, uh, last year, I decided to just, I was just curious who then Eager and Yana invited to church and then who they invited to church and who they invited to church. I was just curious from that terrible day where I was doing terrible spiritually, how did God use that day? So watch here. Let's see if this video works. It may not work, but it might work. And there's sound, maybe. If not, you can watch. Hit the button again, and it'll start to play. Or not. <laughs> Should we wait a little bit? No? Okay, it's not going to go. It was really cool, though, trust me. <laughs> um, basically, it's a web of about 120 people became Christians, eight of which are now leading churches in different places, um, with like four or five of them in the school of missions. And we couldn't fit another 20 or 30. It was all that we had time. And it just shows if there's just a mustard seed. That day I had no spirituality. I just had raw obedience. It was just raw obedience, but God used it. Amen, church. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you today. Have an awesome week, and may God bless your generosity week next week. Thank you so much, Sean. Uh, you can remain standing, you know, here. Um, hey, what do you think about having Sean and Linda back? And we can see that video and a lot more stuff, okay? Um, we're actually working on that. Uh, I'm sure you, like me, have had, you've been touched to the bottom of your heart, okay, and really moved. And so God gave us exactly what we needed. Uh, you know, thank you, Sean, Linda, your whole family, the, the church family an inspiration to us. Uh, I knew how much it would mean to all of us for you to be here. Thank you so much for the way that you poured out your lives. Um, the, um, we want to continue to help Europe, don't we? Even more and more, and Africa, and Central America, all the places that we do. I know when my son first contacted Sean and spent just a little bit of time you know, with him about a decade ago, a month later, he was in Moscow, and then three years in Moscow and Kiev. Maybe that's what will happen to you, you know. Um, or maybe you'll just uh, go home and start praying for your country or your city, uh, maybe for your future husband or your daughter or granddaughters, you know, and God will move in that, you know, in that way. Maybe you'll just grab a Bible and go talk to your great-grandmother. Uh, maybe each of us can go and... Uh, you know, make an impact and continue to pray for Romeo and his village and for Maka and to pray for Johan and to pray for Matthias and pray for the four new elders. Uh, we all can pray, can't we? And we can all pour our hearts out, you know, to God. Thanks so much for, you know, all of you, uh, all of us being here and for the week we're going to have doing our very best to serve Jesus. If you'd like to uh, hear a little bit more from Sean, at noon we'll be up at the 24-7 uh, uh, room in the uh, the teen building and uh, why don't we close out you know this morning by singing a song that's so appropriate 
a prayer for boldness.